Wait for it. Wait for it. And we're live. Hail you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans. It's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just a couple of nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king. The sky is the limit and space is the place. We are the podcast that puts the fun in dysfunction and it will get mighty Damn right. with Michael LaForge here today. LaForge, LaVoice, I'll get it right eventually. Without further ado, Jordy. I don't, I, don't, I don't have my banana clip to put over my glasses, man. Sorry. All right. Well, we're going to let Michael LaVoice introduce himself. That's when he cosplays as a uh, human. Um, sometimes, though, you know, he's a Ferengi, a Klingon, whatever. He does the things, man. I do the things. I thought he said banana hammock. Oh. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm, I'm not saying Borat was inspired by him, but I'm just saying, have you seen the pictures of his bathing suit? He did call he me once. It to me like once a week. With and like I a had week to block his him. You know. Had uh, to block him. <laughs> get all stalkerish <laughs> so wait this is where i introduce me did you yeah say you introduce okay. yourself right. and be like hey this is me long walks on the beach etc etc right that's right swipe left now uh no i'm michael lavois author of galaxy's most wanted and i i've been here before some of your listeners and slash viewers should be familiar with this ugly face um but an uh, epic beard oh thank you thank you <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to get it under control. I'm trying to grow it long enough to braid. So uh, my oh, wife has Luke? promised me that she will braid it if I get it that long. So, Are you going to go for like with the rubber bands like Captain Lou? Oh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Beno? for the beads and the trinkets like a dwarf Ooh. from LOTR, man. I'm, I'm going full uh, Gimli. That is a very that. expensive facial accessory, sir. Yes, it is. And nose rings and a beard. And I said, wow. I wanted to say you got a bunch of crap on your head, but what I said was you got a lot of facial accessories. Mitch Hedberg. <laughs> Mitch Hedberg. That's the guy. I love that dude. I miss him so much. Yeah. yeah he died while I was overseas. And that was that was in oh. Stars and Stripes. I was heartbroken. Mm-hmm. I came off patrol and that was horrible news. Did you Mitch see Hedberg him on uh, on that 70s show? Oh yeah. Yeah, it's great. Speaking of that 70s show, we are all becoming closer and closer to Red Foreman uh, the older we get. Yes. Oh, I, I'm in my red foreman phase of parenting. Uh, he he makes a lot more sense than he used to. It's all I got one teenager left in the house, and I am full red foreman all the time now. Oh, yep. Yeah. I will probably be the first nine sessions of uh, my boys' uh, therapy sessions. <laughs> the red foreman. I've phase. already featured in therapy sessions from all my other adult children. Might as well go full blown out. You know. Do you know why your head hurts, boy? Why? Because your brain is trying to comprehend its own stupidity. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's awesome. that new meme out there. Uh, your personal pronoun is dumbass. It's gender neutral. <laughs> dumbass. <laughs> dumbass. It's awful hard to go through life fat, dumb, and stupid. That was my favorite line. <laughs> fat, dumb, and stupid. Wait. So, um, so he's Wait. introduced himself a little no, bit. We've earned that. We've earned that. <laughs> we've earned fat dumb and stupid we went through some shit that's right so uh speaking of going through some shit the uh the next part of the introduction is how we first met them uh, i'd like to say it was three ravens because he's written for them but mostly i don't remember because we've been talking for so long and making fun of everything for so long it's just what we do <laughs> i actually haven't listening. written for them i haven't been published by them let me let me let me correct that i have submitted two short stories to them one for the next trailer park anthology and they've confirmed that they have it. They haven't confirmed if they're reading it or wiping with it, so I don't know yet. But um, it'd be difficult since it was an electronic submission. But be that as it may, 
Uh, I've also submitted something for the Alien Perspective Monster Anthology that I think you are behind, yes. Mr. JR. Um, so, yeah. But no, I haven't actually been published. I got invited there, and I've just been hanging out. And they're really friendly folks. So it was a lot of fun to hang out there and do writing sprints and uh, get to know everybody. It's a great place. So you're just lurking. That's cool. No, no, I'm actively involved in all their bull crap. It's just I haven't I'm an active there. lurker, damn it. That's right. All the <laughs> shenanigans. Yeah, I've managed to get people there angry at me and all kinds of stuff. It's, it's been it's been a ride. Yeah, it means you're doing something right. As, I guess so. That's what I tell myself when I cry on my pillow at night. <laughs> Nick's Intimate Thoughts, a new segment on Blasters and Blades. Oh, uh, at some point in time, probably in the Sham Shield Club, uh, where we totally did things above book, above board, by the book, um, to spec. No shortcuts were taken. No, no corners were cut. Absolutely not. Because uh, at one point in time, all of us were active and beloved members of the uh, motivational and uh, charity organization yeah. known as the Sham Shield. Full bird privates. That's right. Absolutely. Full bird. <laughs> so, uh, so we've known each other for a while. And, uh, now that we've got that out of the way, normally we would ask the religion questions, but, uh, you've answered all of them a couple times over. So Nick has some new ones that he's doing on the fly. No prep work. Oh, you're just doing no prep work. Just you're off the top of my head. I have to make it. Th- I, I did not see that coming. Um, that's what nobody, nothing. Oh God. Someone's going to get it on the other side of the screen. Trauma-inducing childhood movies. Trauma-inducing childhood movies. Your choices are The Never-Ending Story, oh. The Dark Crystal, mm. and The Land Before Time. Yeah. Yeah. I flied? No, you falled. I love that movie. It, it wasn't very traumatizing to me. I mean, when Littlefoot lost his folks and stuff I mean, and got separated, but that was just, okay, plot needs to move forward so okay but i know i think that doesn't make sense i'm like well yeah i think i think um the kid losing his horse in the never-ending story uh is probably the most single traumatic movie moment i remember from my youth that's still if i see a picture of it in a meme i still get chills because it was so awful so i'll have to go with never-ending story yeah same i tray you Trying to pull the horse through the bog as then nothing is like smiling at them. Somebody made a sculpture of that not too long ago that they're selling at cons and stuff. Uh, of the nothing? It's like it's uh, of no, of a tray you trying to pull his horse out. Oh, but yeah. they're, only, they're only like half statues. <laughs> it's the horse from like the, the well, neck yeah. up. <laughs> I was Who like, why is that? Who's going like, you know what? That really traumatized me as a young child. I kind of actually wanted to. Actually. I think I need a statue of that to just constantly remind me of that grief. I, and I think sorrow. it would be great bookends, honestly. Yeah. I, I, if I'm picking, it wouldn't be that, although that was certainly a tearjerker moment, but old yeller. Ooh. Ugh. I was trying to keep it. I don't know how many people. Now, now you're bringing back Stripes. Yeah. Ooh, Stripes yeah. was, that was a good <laughs> movie. I laughed so hard. What are we doing? Training, sir. What kind of training? Oh, training. training, sir. Yep, we're nuts. Here's uh, proof. This nose is cold. Who's Francis? Anybody? My name's Chainsaw. Anybody calls me Francis, I'm gonna kill him. Oh, no, psycho. Francis. psycho, psycho, psycho. That's right. Francis was another movie. 
Lighten up, Francis. Lighten up, Francis. See, if we were in Italy, I'd have to pay you. <laughs> that was uh, one of the best lines in all of moviedom from the 80s. Right up oh, there with Wolverines. And just like uh, uh, Full Metal Jacket, I turn it off right after basic training because it's just not funny after that. Oh, I don't know. I love the EM50. The EM50 was actually the, the uh, I guess, inspiration for a vehicle that I want to include in a, a oh, we're going to drift into Nick territory here, a comic that yeah. I wrote a script for um, years and years ago. I had a paper route with my oldest son and to keep ourselves awake at, from two to 5 AM delivering papers in rural Tennessee, we started just shooting dialogue lines back and forth. Okay. Here's the premise. You get this superhero. He's holding auditions on a show. That's kind of like American Idol only it's for sidekicks. And uh, it was a lot of fun. And we came up with some great characters and uh, we decided that they would be roaming around the streets of Memphis in a heavily armored recreational vehicle or Harvey. And uh, the EM 50 was definitely the inspiration for that. That was a, wasn't that like a Winnebago or something like that? It was. It was like a Winnebago, yeah. but then like the armored panels would come down. It had a flamethrower, yeah. machine guns, and missile launchers. It was oh. awesome. I was waiting for that to show up in Spies Like Us. Yeah. Another excellent movie. I love that one. <laughs> Doctor? And, Doctor. Doctor. And then we settle things. Wasn't that the one where they settled it at the end by playing Axis and Allies or Risk or something? Yeah. 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 And then exactly kind right. of inferred that an orgy broke out. They didn't show it. They didn't show it. in the barracks. What happens in the barracks stays in the barracks. I'm just saying. <laughs> just, just, just pay the CQ with a case of beer and you're good to go. Bro. I, when I was in the barracks in Germany, I was looking for the hot Russian chicks to play Battletech with, but they never showed up. So, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah, Speaking you're on the other side of the world. Battletech inspired me. Do you realize they are making a Gundam live action movie? I just saw the yeah, trailer for that for Netflix, right? Yeah, it looks good. Year I one. Was pleasantly surprised. Ought to be cool. I so, downloaded the uh, recently released Gundam video game for my phone, but six gigs worth of data, and I haven't opened it once. God <laughs> damn! I don't have time. No. I'm too I busy. I don't know. I'll try it someday, I guess, maybe. All right. Moving forward. All right. Do you have more religion questions? No, just the one, man. I came up with on the fly. What do you want from me? I'm not Albert Einstein doing rocket surgery. All right, fair, fair. I'm a knuckle-dragging um, grunt. You're lucky I can even come up with sentences. Well, because we're we're affiliate sponsored by uh, Coffee Brand Coffee, we've got to ask something coffee-related. So uh, what is your favorite alcoholic beverage to add to your coffee? Uh, I actually don't drink anymore. Um, so I don't they, add good for you. alcohol good to my for coffee. You. Is that why they kicked you out of the uh, Sham Shield Club? Yeah, I know. I, I'm I'm okay with that though. Uh, you know, I got tired of waking up in my car doing 90. So um, <laughs> <laughs> you're driving, right? I had like the weirdest. That didn't happen. I'm kidding. Uh, but no, yeah, I just right? realized I was starting to have a problem, so I said, "Nope, time to cut this off." And I did. And, uh, Good I for know. you, sir. What was it? My my dentist asked me, "How come you haven't started flossing yet?" And I said, "Well, because that was as hard as quitting smoking." But drinking was easy. Just stopped. It's weird. Like, um, I only drink whiskey. Like, I have a stocked bar. And when I run out of whiskey, I don't switch to the other alcohols. I just go get more whiskey. 
or bourbon. I never really liked adding anything like that to my coffee anyway. I mean, when I was a drinker, I drank straight vodka. It was just, I liked vodka. And I like whiskey, I like scotch. You know, those were all tasty, but they just didn't have the effect. And that's what I was doing it for anyway. So, yeah, the, the chemical reaction. Right. No, that's good for you, man. Proud of you. That's a hard thing to do. I'm still trying to do it. But so I guess I'll have to pick up the slack over here. On so what do you coffee. add to your coffee brand, coffee, bourbon flavored coffee? More Just bourbon. More bourbon? Or bourbon. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Makes sense. Well, it, it, you know, it's really weird. And it sounds like a total alky thing to say. It's like it does accentuate the coffee, mm. but you got to be careful. And because three cups of coffee in, you ain't doing shit that day. My body is my chemistry set. You got you to experiment oh, yeah. with the levels. <laughs> yeah. When, when, when I leave my mortal coil here and I power slide into whatever. Which could be at any rate. Could, could be. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to look up and be like, man, what a ride. Let's go again. <laughs> Maybe I'd not be airborne this time, though, because my knees really freaking hurt. Mm. <laughs> Even in afterlife. About it. I guess almost two years ago, really, I guess it'll be two years in April. I fell through a rotted board on my deck and tore the ligament that connects my kneecap to my quadricep. Oh my and I uh, had to go through surgery. So I have not been able to run or do squats very effectively since then. And um, it's, I wouldn't recommend it to anybody, but uh, yeah, I was having bad knee problems before and now it's like yeah. 12 times worse. Oh, when I'm in the gym and I have to do squats, like I got braces and sleeves, <laughs> like RoboCop, you know, you get those but that's only for that. That's the heavier stuff. You look so like I, like, I, can't, <laughs> I do, man. I look like it should be like, there should be like rods connect. Well, I have a rod in my leg anyway, internally, but, um, Oh wow. In my left leg. Uh, you must be fun going through airports with. I used to, and then it like demagnetized. It doesn't set them off anymore, but I'm still not allowed in the room where there, an MRI is. I'm not oh, right. Yeah, but I don't, so like, like no, when you walk right in the kitchen, leg. does your kid's homework fly off and stick to your leg anymore? No, uh, I have a strict no magnet policy in the kitchen. Okay. <laughs> Use tape. It ain't going to hurt you. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. That makes, that makes absolute sense. They actually wouldn't let me uh, when the kiddo had his MRI. Like, have you ever had shrapnel in your body? I'm like, uh... Does it matter? I still have shrapnel. I, I really wasn't worried about the shrapnel. There's still a little chunk right here on my rib cage when it decided to do a, you know, Candleland magic slide down my arm. It was about yay big. But uh, that getting ripped on my body, I'm like, oh, no. I still get metal slivers that sometimes work their way out uh, from the yeah. IEDs that the Army determined I was in no immediate danger from, so I didn't qualify for the, for the combat awards. Uh, I it, but yeah, what's the point? I'm a civilian now. I got my Fort couch and my DD-214, and that's all that matters. But I want to like, get that blanket. I don't even remember like it hitting me. Like I remember getting tossed around the turret. Uh, but now metal is just randomly working itself out of my skin sometimes. And I mentioned that because we were just shooting the breeze with the uh the technician who's former former Navy um CB while we were waiting, and he goes, Oh shit, you can't be. I'm just, oh, shoot, you can't be in here. And so I had to have my mom drive up to the hospital so someone could sit with them because they wouldn't let me in there. Yeah, that's my biggest fear is having it, that rod just coming out the way it came in. And they had to take my kneecap off to put the fricker in there, you know. And I was like, oh, that would – and the recovery was horrible, you know. So having it go 
out the other way. It's kind of like tequila. You don't want it to go out the same way it came in. It no. just burns. No, 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 no. Far better going down than coming up. Yes. Yeah. Do what tequila likes to do. Come out the back door. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Uh, but we, we didn't come here to talk about tequila. They are not sponsoring us yet. But if they do, Mr. Tequila Company, we're willing. I'm just saying, hit us up. You know our email. It's in the show. Dwayne Rock Johnson talking to you, bud. Him too. I don't care. We're not picky. We'll shill for anyone. Yeah. Well, I take that back. We actually have to like the product first. But, I mean, free samples are free samples, and, and we can be convinced. That's right. It's tequila. It's pretty good. It's very smooth. Is it really? And free uh, always fits the budget. Yeah. yeah. So I, I will say, dear listener, before we started chilling for Coffee Brand Coffee, both uh, the Garber and Handley household ordered uh, some to taste it before we put it on the uh, before, before we put it on the uh, the website. We, we, yeah, we did have to do our extensive research, which you expect from the Blasters of Blades podcast, where we have a team of scientists testing out new coffee and new to- coffee discoveries. Oh, so you guys are the ones that hired Dr. Bunsen, Honeydew, and Beaker away from Disney. Okay. Yes. Uh, we're not going to talk about that. I'm pretty sure we signed an NBA. Uh, we're, Don't worry. Nick will edit this out in post. It'll be okay. Um, okay I didn't shit. <laughs> I'm hiring a lawyer, dog. That was funny. So, uh, all right. So, moving on. We actually brought you here this time to talk about a book by this uh, Michael LaVoy's character. You might have heard of him. He sometimes writes books when he's not wrangling kids and you know, hiding from, you know, Uncle Sam in the IRS. Um, but we like you anyway, so we won't tell them where your undisclosed bunker is located. Thank uh, you. This is my riding bunker. Uh, yes, it's in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, that's where Witsec is. I know I that. Bought Art Bell's old place. <laughs> Bill's old place. Art Bell's old place. That's what I, that's where I am. Oh, I used to listen to him. That dude was a I love Art Bell. Art Bell's yeah. great, man. Are we sure he's was the dead bomb. or is the government secreting or secreting? Like taking him to cl- <laughs> taking the man away somewhere. It's late, okay, people. Brain damage. Sundown. Was that the word you were looking for? Security? Sure, we'll go with that. Uh, no, I kind of like secluding. That's it. <laughs> secluding. That's, there we go. There's secluding. That's in the Utah, way. man. That's where uh, secreting things go. So sometimes, uh, sometimes Michael writes the things. So, uh, how did you get into writing? Um, I've been wanting to be a working writer since I was, I guess, about a fifth grader. Um, I was a problem student. I know, hard to imagine. Um, but I had a teacher take a great interest in me not getting uh, stomped into dirt into the playground every day at recess. And um, so she started coaching me in writing and I started writing short stories. And I had already developed this great affection for uh, noir detective fiction. I grew up on Philip Marlowe and Mike Hammer and Mickey Sp- Mickey Splane stories and, and uh, Dash O'Hammett and uh, all the great noir guys. And so um, I always had this attraction for crime fiction. And then I ran across sci-fi and fell in love all over again. And I always thought, man, wouldn't, wouldn't crime fiction and science fiction go together really well? That would be cool. Wish somebody would write that. And then I found uh, Harry Harrison's Stainless Steel Rat series which fit that bill real nice. And uh, in the back of my head for years, even when I wasn't actively writing, I was like, I'm going to do a crime story some space someday. I'm going to do that. It's, it's, it, it has to be done. Uh, and so eventually I got to a point where I could, because I spent some time ghostwriting for other people and using pen names with other people that 
I'm contractually obligated not to mention speaking of NDAs. Um, so, you know, I, I wrote some cool, fun stuff and I can't tell anybody about it. And I got old real fast. Uh, the money was good though. Money was okay. Um, so I achieved the dream of being a working writer, but I realized that I wanted to totally not Chuck Tingle, <laughs> but I realized I wanted, you know, my name on it. And, uh, so, um, I started working on ideas and I pitched about five different ideas to my mentor at the time. And one of those was this space heist story. And, uh, he basically gave me feedback, said, I like this story, but I like this story too. If you could figure out a way to combine those two ideas, I think you'd have a really good book. I think you'd have a hit. And so I combined those two ideas and that's how galaxies most wanted was born. I dig it. Yep. Okay. That's um, an interesting origin story. Uh, and I just want to know contractually, I'm not saying that he's Chuck Tingle, but I'm just saying I've never seen the two of them in a room together. Just <laughs> out there. Um, got tingled once by a guy named Chuck. <laughs> what happened? What's to his last name Tingle? Bartowski. I'm just, um, okay. So you can't tell us what you coast wrote. Obviously, um, having done that myself, either there are contractual mm -hmm. obligations not to, but what genres were you? Were you? Um, two of the books uh, were uh, military sci-fi slash space opera, which is a genre that I'm really, really comfortable in because I'm not a smart guy and I don't really get all the sciencey stuff. Um, but I can make it up. That's that's okay. And so I do that. And uh, yes, hand wavy them. Mm -hmm. Uh, so the other three books that I ghost wrote were lit RPG. And, uh, I really don't like that genre for the most part. Um, what mainly because, RPG? huh? Oh, literature RPG. Is yeah. Literature RPG. Yeah. It's where you, you like the character dies here and wakes up in a new world with level one abilities of some kind. And then they progress through level two and level three and whatever chosen through their magic user or they're a fighter or whatever. It's just like pages and pages of freaking stats. And it just sucks you right out of the story. Oh yeah. And I, you know, I like the story. I like the action. I like the, the characters growing and changing and developing all that's cool. But when you give me three pages of stats after they level up, I'm just flipping straight to the next chapter. I'm done. Don't like it. But that was the deal I made with them. I said, okay, I'll write the story, but you guys got to do the stats because I'm rubbish with stats. I, I, I played D&D. &D, I played Battletech. I played MechWarrior. I played DC Heroes role-playing All these different role-playing games. And stats were never my strong suit. I had some of the dumbest character stats ever in D&D. &D. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Is that just because the dice hate you or you... Um... No, I just had a bad habit of putting stat points in the wrong places for the character type. I had a ranger magic user, and, and, and he was the he was a box of rocks, stupid. <laughs> was he charismatic? So he could fly. Yeah, yeah, he was fly. He was like super fly, but dumb as a box of rocks. I'm surprised he made it to level 30. So Honestly. what you're telling me is, is if he urged people to jump off the side of a building, they would just because he's persuasive and then they'd all he die. could have started a cult very easily. <laughs> <laughs> I like he that. Died, he died tragically when a kobold 
broke his staff of the Magi over its knee. Uh, what what edition of D and D are you playing? Or are you oh playing? gosh, this was back in the eighties, man. So what, I don't know whatever edition that was. This was during the Satanic Panic too. Ooh, so yes, we I'm all we all had to we all had to hide our D and D playing. Did you um did you the CD or the the albums backwards to like to get the devil message? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But only Weird Al. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it was just jokes about the devil. <laughs> It was really strange. It was nothing but rubber chicken sounds. I didn't get it. But, you know. I had a I had a, a weak paladin. I, I did not give him strength. So like if he was encountering a goblin on the edge of a cliff and he wanted to push it off the cliff, you're like, all right, roll for initiative. All right, cool. And it's like, oh, with your strength level, you don't push him. You gently caress his back and now the goblin's uncomfortable and there's a restraining order. <laughs> or even worse, the goblin turns to you and goes, do that again. Gives you a wink, a wink and a smile. Like, all right, well, what do I roll for that? <laughs> I don't have much charisma either, man. I'm going to screw this relationship up, and we relationship, relationship up. I just started. No, I think you had it right. I would have relationship. I've been in a few relationships. <laughs> We've all been there. That's why I drink so much. So yeah, so little RPG, military sci-fi, and uh, space opera were the genres I ghost wrote in. Okay. So we need to get in peer pressure him to do it. Nick has been uh, starting the process of creating the store and drawing some merch. Um, the store is actually up. He's just got to get the merch now. The website was surprisingly difficult to do. Uh, Wix or whatever he was using did not like him. Um, oh, it spit me right out, man. Yeah. But we really need to get him to make like a crest uh, for a college, but it'll be like hand wavy university and uh, make up like, uh, the pan, like I don't know, like periodic table on there of like made up. I don't know something cool, but definitely a crest for hand wavium University. We can always go with the element of surprise. The, yeah, we could know, do that. Yeah. something, and he could sell it. I, I'm telling you, people would buy that just because they had no idea who we are with the blasters. But they saw the hand wavium University, they'd buy the shirt. No, oh, yeah, oh, absolutely. absolutely. Make it all official with the. All like the get some Latin stuff. words on there that like or like translate to gibberish if anyone actually tried or or maybe something obscene that they don't know that they're wearing. There was one time in chemistry class where I got really upset with the uh, the teacher and I went over there and I got him in a rear naked choke and brought him to the ground. And everyone was like, "What the hell?" And I'm like, "I was introducing a new element. What new element? The element of surprise." Dun, dun, dun. But I'm right, sounds, like sounds like those one, one time in band camp stories. Look, I, I dated a band. No, it was completely made up on the fly. The, the band, I mean, there was some truth to the stereotypes is all I'm going to say. Hand wave you. Anyway. Always, that's why stereotypes exist. Tropes are real. Yeah. They're, they're based it's in like reality. It's like myths and legends. Yeah, they're based in reality. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'm going to make a commercial for that shirt, though, when I make it. The hand so wave University. before we go to the commercial, we're going to pull up this art and Nick. I know you love art, so I'm just gonna you're gonna go to town on his spaceship ass. Okay? Kind of my thing. Kind of my thing. Kind of your thing. Ooh, all right. Here it is. Oh, all right. Mm -hmm. All right. We got Starship Foo. We got Space Station Foo. Space Station Foo. We got Ooh, Creepy Planet Foo. We got Athon Logo Foo up in the corner there. Athon Logo Foo. We got all the Foos. <laughs> yeah. Blasters Blades Academy nomination for Michael Lavoie for. Uh... All right, well, I love so that tell cover. me about. Yeah, uh, who's the artist on that? No idea. Here's how this happened. <clears throat> okay. I had someone in mind that I wanted to use for the art. Um, 
the same person that did the art for my website. And um, she's super, super talented. Also, super, super busy. Expensive <laughs> and, and busy? As the she really expensive? talented ones tend to be. Or just busy. And um, also, uh, I don't know. I don't know about super expensive. I, I, I never got far enough along to ask for a rate card, but. Oh, wow. Um, once we found out she was like booked forever, um, through eternity, uh, plus one month, uh, Steve, uh, Steve blue, uh, one of the co-founders of Athon, said, well, um, if you've got ideas for all the covers, we can talk about them. And we can try to find somebody to do them. Uh, in the meantime, I've got a crap ton of art that I've already bought that I didn't end up using. If you see anything in this stuff that you want to use, feel free. And this was one of those images uh, that he just had laying around on his hard drive. And I said, that's oh, damn that's shame too. Like, dude, that's Paradise Station right there. That's almost exactly what I had in my head. And Paradise Station figures pretty heavily in all four books in this series. Okay. Um, so, so it was, it was really... kismet that you found this image yeah. in a, yeah. probably a and plethora of files. We, we did the same thing with uh, all four books. I had all four book covers before I had all four books written. Because nice. um, by the time, see, I was, this story originally was developed at another publisher with one of my mentors and uh, we were going to do it as a co-author thing. And uh, it was the same guy that approved the idea to start with. And he got real busy and didn't get back with me. And so I just wrote the next book and then I wrote the next book and <laughs> I had three books and I was like, well, here's where the story is so far. And he goes, yeah, this is way more you and nowhere near enough me. And um, it's great, but I just don't think it's a good fit for us anymore. So he, opened up a chat window and introduced me to Steve and Rhett. Um, but I'd already met them at 20 books uh, before. And uh, so I already, already knew them, uh, yeah. but he introduced me to them. And just based on the intro, they said, Hey, we'll take a chance on them. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's chat yeah. about this little spacecraft here. Uh, are these one man fighters or are these like bigger ships that have multiple people, like a large crew or. Uh, no, these are, I've always thought of these as like single seat fighters. Okay. Um, nice. even though single seat fighters don't factor heavily, uh, in the stories. Um, I just like the look of them. They almost, okay. They kind of remind me of cop cars because they're so uniform. And yeah. so I thought, Hmm, galaxy's most wanted cruising into paradise station, looking for my main character. I kind of like this vibe. Yeah, and makes sense. So it was another reason why I went with those because they kind of had that militaristic slash everything has to be the same aspect. Right. The uniformity people. of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's not a whole lot of law enforcement in this universe that I created, but there's enough that if you do certain things, they will come after you. Nice. It's like GTA space. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, w without running people over, because that's hard to do in space. And all the yeah. drama and all of the shenanigans going on in the news right now. <clears throat> Dramaticity. Oh, yeah. Because mm -hmm. of uh, some scheduling uh, mishaps uh, and then me getting sick and losing my voice, uh, we had originally scheduled him, like most episodes, about a month before it was supposed to go to go to live. 
But uh, because he was patient when we were sick, and I think, Nick, you guys were sick at the same week, that means this is actually going to yeah. go to air like within a, a week or two of when we record it. So everyone who wants to know, Google the GTA, and you'll see all the all the drama yeah. and all sides are fighting each other about nonsense. I'm like, dude, it's a video game. Play it and like I, it. Don't play it. Don't like it. It's okay, but it. you don't need to make it don't care. The drama reminds me of like hungry, hungry hippos, and everyone's just kind of just all factions are just slapping away on their hippo. I mean, like that is when not, it comes it's to, not a euphemism in, in games. You don't like there's a, like if it's on Facebook, there's a scroll. You just keep going. If it's a yeah. book or a game, you just don't read it. It's easy. You just move on. I look at it like this, man. If you're offended by something on there on the internet and you, it's, it's like seeing dog shit on the sidewalk and choosing to step in it. Just walk around, bro. Get a life. Yeah. So, get, get a, a life. With that being said, a coke and a smile. A coke and a smile. Um, with that being said, totally a coke I opened. Um, some coke and a manic grin. Either way. <laughs> um, family friendly. He's talking about the um, the carbonated beverage. Um, yeah, the one that you see the polar bear drinking with the scarf. The cute one. Right, right, right. The cute one. So the the cops in this movie, like a movie. I <laughs> see what I did to myself. The cops in this book, are they like a large or is it more like uh, sheriffs of the old west kind of vibe um okay so in this particular universe space is divided up um between several different uh races or species um you've got the vacanus empire which is by far the largest and most militaristic um they've got this almost pathological need to conquer uh, it's basically written into their DNA. It's their religion almost. And um, they really don't care about law so much as order. Um, very dictator dictatorial. Um, then you've got the Duranian Empire, which is not, they're not an empire. It's the Duranian Union. And they're more or less the good guys. They're trying to introduce the concepts of law and order to the galaxy. Uh, they've got a basic framework. They've got a financial system that's, sponsored by another race of beings called the Jinsoon. So that's all stable. Uh, and so they agree on some of the big ones, like, okay, slavery's a no-no, genocide's a no-no, uh, you know, the big ones. But, you know, drug use and the stuff that we get all caught up in here in the, in the United States, not really, they don't really care. Gambling, nah, nobody cares. Um, do all of that you want. But um, when something very destabilizing happens uh the doranian union and their basic justice department uh decides that it's my main character's fault and so for a couple of books he's on their bad side and they're after him uh so yeah he's he's on the naughty list he's on the naughty list and which is not there's nothing new to him he's he's a gritty kid from the south side of chicago who basically grew up on the streets and got into crime at an early age, found out he had a flair for planning criminal enterprises. And so that's what he's been doing. He got out of it uh, because he realized it was a dead end. Literally when a guy gets on his career, gets killed. Uh, so he got out, but then his baby brother got into a bookie for about five grand. And so he decides to do one last, last job to get his brother in the clear so they can get out of the Chicago and, Go somewhere nice and start over. And then things go south. I'm shocked Chicago's still around in your universe. <laughs> it's not far future. It's set basically now. 
um, oh, okay. because still, I love. I'm still shocked that Chicago's. Yeah. What I love here. about this story is that I've always loved the way different authors would take a guy from present day Earth, wherever they're, America or Europe or wherever, and then shoot him out into space and introduce them to all these concepts that they thought was fiction, but it turns out it's real and how they would react to that and how they would interact with that and how they would deal with it all. And that's a really big part of this first book is uh, my main character, uh, Kai Fletcher, dealing with the fact that aliens are real, dealing with the fact that there are humans in space and have been for a while and we don't really know about it. And dealing with the fact that uh, humans are being stolen from earth on a pretty regular basis. Why? Because we really can't do anything about it. That's why, (laughs) you know, so yeah, there's a lot of things that he has to learn to deal with. Um, I think the worst thing is probably the food replicators, but that's a, you'll just have to read the book to figure that out. <laughs> there's, there's a running gag with food replicators. I like it. I, I like the idea of the displaced man or person you know, <laughs> dropping them somewhere completely foreign. And what's more foreign than, alien space but yeah but he finds out that there's stuff there that's just the same the the yeah. criminals all act the same as they do on earth you know he at one point he compares the uh reptilians that he ends up working for their crime syndicate compares them to they're kind of like a cross between the bratva and the old school italian mob uh mm-hmm. and uh the gensoon are more like uh russian oligarch wealth criminals and uh, yeah. You know, and, and the Vacness, of course, they're just they're just mindless soldiers for the most part. But they've got a very rigid caste system. You got a warrior caste, a science caste, and and, and they don't cross pollinate. You, you're you're born what you're born, and that's what you are. Oh, nice. Yeah. So what what made you decide to create the alien culture the way that you did? Uh depends on which culture you're talking about. I just, I like the idea. I I like playing with evolutionary themes because it's, it's interesting. Like for example, the Jensen are uh, creatures that are essentially human in appearance, but androgynous. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool if you had an alien species that could not present, not like this trans argument we have here, but could literally be male or female as needed for propagation of the species. It's one of the ways they evolved to survive. They're somewhat hermaphroditic like hyenas uh, or uh, certain uh, amphibious species. They can be male or female as needed to regrow a population. So that'd be pretty cool. It'd be probably a little creepy to an earth guy because you never know what you're dealing with. And these guys are... Uh, the bankers of the universe, because as they evolved as a race, they learned one of the ways they could keep predators away would be to control local resources like water and food supplies and stuff like that. And so as they advanced and achieved star flight, that just kind of naturally branched out and well, we'll just control the money too. Yeah. And so I set up a, a financial system where all of the various races have Precious metals, not like gold and silver, but things like platinum and rhodium and, and useful metals that the amount that they have, the Jensoon issue credits based on that. And that's oh, the wow. monetary system. And, and so the Jensoon make themselves so the money's backed by the resources, like a gold standard almost. Yeah, it's backed by a okay. resource. 
And that's the whole point yeah. of the heist in the book is that this uh, lizard reptilian pirate captain wants Kai to plan a heist on the Vacness treasury and steal all their stuff. Uh, and then in return for that, he'll take him back home and erase his debt for being taken off Earth, even though he was accidentally taken off Earth. I was kidnapped, if you want to be truthful about it. <laughs> Secret Speaking stowaway, of, accidental stowaway. Yeah, it happens. Speaking of currency, we're going to pause for a moment while we shamelessly show for, for the band. Oh, sorry. Absolutely. What will you do when the world goes belly up? Will you paint stripes on your cheeks, grab your flaming guitar, and enjoy the glorious post-apocalypse party? Or will you gnash your teeth and wail at the loss of civilization? Either way, we've a story for you. This post-apocalyptic collection has 15 great stories, each with its own spin on our future. Dive right into From the Ashes, a Bayonet Books anthology, before the future becomes now. Well, in my defense, it was supposed to be the Area 51 anthology, and I clicked the wrong button, so oh. you get to hear this one again. Because Dude, you host Someone got chilled. That's what we call on radio, hosing the client. Well, since I'm the client, it works. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. You hosed yourself. It happens. Or does Yeah, hoser. So, uh, <clears throat> speaking of getting hosed, your human antagonist, your human character got a little bit of hosed in the kidnapping. Um, so, do you go into depth on how he got there, or do you kind of start in media res with him already there? No, no. The story starts out as a very typical Southside Chicago heist. He and his partner uh, for this particular heist are stealing a truckload of TVs. Um, and they've got a rig and they borrowed it from a local gangster called Fat Tony. Uh, and um, they've good get the, they get the rig and they're getting ready to leave. And all of a sudden, things go crazy in the CSX rail yard next door. And there's flashlights and cops running everywhere and people shouting like, what's that going on? Nothing to do with us. Get out of here. Come on. And next thing you know, they're trying to get to the expressway, but the exit's blocked by cops. And instead of bluffing his way through it, his partner decides to shoot the cop. And not a good idea. They hate idea. it when you do that. Yeah. They really don't like that. Um, even if they're wearing the vest for lower back support. Uh, sorry, it's a running scared reference. If you haven't seen that film, Gregory Hines, Billy Crystal, set in Chicago. Oh, watch classic. It. It's a classic. A great movie. Um, so they're on the run because the cop returns fire and shoots through the brake line of the truck. So my main character was spending his cut in his head and then it all evaporates because the brake line shot, the truck's locked up, they can't take the TVs and they're now lambing it on foot. And uh, they hide out in what they think is a warehouse, not a warehouse. It's a starship. It was the aliens that were stealing platinum from the CSX rail yard. And so they are accidentally absconded into the stars. So criminals accidentally ran into other criminals that were yes. better apparently than they were. Well, that's debatable because they did trip the alarms at the CSX yard and caused a ruckus. So, there is a little bit of a debate on that later as to whether or not they were actually the smooth criminals they thought they were. Fair, fair. So do you plan on, because right now you talk about four books with the covers. Are you going to wrap this up in a neat little bow? Do you think this is going to be an ongoing series? I originally had it designed for six books. 
um, and uh, which is a short series at the other company that I was working with before. Um, cause those guys do series regularly that are like 12 books long, 24 books long. It's, it's insane. Um, but, uh, Steve and Rhett, we were talking about it at Athon and I said, well, we really kind of like to do trilogies. And, um, so I was like, well, I've already got three books written and the story's not done. Can we do four? And, uh, so they said, ah, okay, we'll do four. And, um, so I hurried up and kind of took the events from books four, five, and six and jettisoned some stuff and twisted some other stuff and kind of mashed it all together into one final book that I don't want to say it ended the series. It put the series in a place where it could either stop or be continued at a whole new level. So if the reception to the series is good and people really want to see more. I have more stories that I can tell. Uh, and there's a premise for continuing the series, just not along the exact same lines as the first four books. It would be a whole new setup with some of the same characters. So would they be tied in the same series or would it be a completely new series? No, I think it would be a completely new series. You would have to call it a new name because he's no longer the galaxy's most wanted at that point. <laughs> he's he's cleared his name and he's done some he's he goes from wanted criminal to uh, kind of a hero over the course of the books. Um, he's basically I don't want to give too much away because it's kind of the one of the big twists in the first book. Um, but he gets involved in a a situation that's been going on since before humans were really forming civilizations, maybe even before humans existed. Um, so without going too deep into that part of it, yeah, he, he gets involved in a conflict that he helps resolve, but it takes a while. I dig it. I dig I like it. That. Um <clears throat> Do you find so assuming that this you know is a whopping success, but you they the publisher decides you want they want to go other directions, right? Yeah, uh, I've you, I've talked to them about <clears throat> other series. I've pitched a couple of ideas because um, I'm always trying to have something ready to go, and uh, I sent them I think it was four series ideas, uh, and they said, oh yeah, we like these two. I said, oh, okay, well, which one do you want me to write? And they said, yeah, we like these two. Okay, so you want me to write two series? Yeah, 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 write those. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> let me just go clone myself real quick. Jeez. Okay. God, my wrists hurt. Anyway, um, yeah, so I. You're married, sir. Handle it right. I mean, what? I, yeah, I, I planted, I planted uh, the ideas and then I developed one of them. It's fully outlined, three books, ready to, ready for me to start writing. But I realized that that story, which is kind of an alien invasion story involving a group of preppers in East Tennessee, um, it's a little dark. And the, the overall tone of Galaxy's Most Wanted is fairly comical. I, I use a lot of humor. I'm just a, a sarcastic, caustic, humorous guy. I'll joke my way out of a situation before I shoot my way out of it. And uh, so... 
there's a lot of humor involved. And I thought, wow, this is a big shift. People, people might not be ready to go from the somewhat zany, you know, Kai Fletcher esque story into this. So the other story is kind of in between those two. And I've talked about it on the show before. Uh, when you asked me what I was working on, it's called Gladius Leagues. And I've outlined the first two books in that. I've got the third book almost outlined. And it's set, it's another alien invasion type story, but it's set in a universe where humans have expanded through space. We never made contact with anybody else. We're kind of wondering where everybody else is. We always thought there would be aliens, but we never found any. Uh, but we've ended war in our time by using proxy warfare in a league sport called gladius leagues with these power armored uh it's like a cross between the nfl and the wwe uh is the the sport that's played and each team represents uh, an opposing faction in one of the planetary governments and they resolve the disputes that way instead of going to war and killing millions of people and destroying property and so it's been so long since we've been doing this we don't even have standing armies and navies anymore and so when aliens show up on the doorstep and start destroying everything, um, these prima donna warrior athletes are the first, last, and only line of defense against these things. And they have to figure out how to be real soldiers real fast. Okay. That sounds interesting. So are yeah, you going to... Go ahead. Are you thinking you're going to stick around the, um, the sci-fi... Um, genre or are you going to go into fantasy at some point too i've done some fantasy i, I had a sh my actual first public published story under my actual name was a, a fantasy short in an anthology uh called when giants fall and uh people have been bugging me ever since that came out to expand it into a novel and i have plans for that but one thing i know that i've studied the business of writing quite a bit uh, with various mentors. And one thing that I, that I've been told over and over slows people down as far as sales go and, and people being able to recognize them is when they genre hop. And I know there's a lot of people that do it and they can do it very well. I'm not against it at all, but I want to focus mainly on space opera and sci-fi and maybe a little military sci-fi for now, uh, and grow an audience that way. Uh, before I shift gears, because it sometimes it doesn't work. I mean, you guys, you've heard of Craig Allenson, yeah, yeah. and the uh, Expeditionary Force series. Great series, man. Love that series. Um, the next series that he did was more of an urban fantasy, and while I loved it, a lot of people were like, "Huh, what's this? I don't like it," <laughs> you know. And Daddy, so, no like. Yeah, so uh, I'm not. I'm not saying it's bad. It's really well written. It's really good, um, but I don't think the majority of his audience was ready for it quite yet. So I yeah, want to avoid. Like you have to ease them into right. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I don't know how so you would do that. Enough. Shifting from sci-fi, I know there is such a there is a subgenre, I guess, called space fantasy, where there have been people that have worked magic into space, like the space travel faster than light is done via magic and stuff like that. Um, eh, eh, I don't know. <laughs> it's, some of them are well done. Space some wizards? of them aren't. Space wizards? What? Nobody's done that. No. It's completely unfound territory. It's It'll never work. It'll never yeah. work. 
So, okay, so you're going to stick in the same mm-hmm. ballpark, yes. That makes sense. Yeah, the same stadium, so? if nothing else. I mean, you know. Do you think you'll branch out with your short content? Or are you going to focus yeah, on Yeah, I've submitted uh, the shorts that I've submitted for, uh, for example, Three Ravens. Uh, that's horror. And that's not a genre that I've really ever written in. Um, the uh, P- monster POV story was more horror or psychological terror than anything else. Uh, and the other one was a straight up ghost story. So uh, yeah, I'm branching out. Uh, I am not the best guy to talk to when it comes to short form fiction. All my short story ideas end up being novellas or full-blown novels or God help us all a series. So I just, I don't get along well with that format. You tell me you've got a limit of 7,000 words, LaVoyce. I'm like, can we make it 10? Could we? (laughs) So, and then it ends up being 15 or 20, but you know, I just like big stories. So the, um, the the shorts, I, I had the same problem. Like I, I have trouble keeping them short. I actually wrote one for my own anthology that I'm doing with Three Ravens. Jerry Henley presents the assault um, assault team one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where I challenged myself to do it in five thousand words because that was the bottom limit to see if I could. Uh, I five thousand forty two, uh, but then I sent it to my co-author who's probably going to double it because that's what he does. Um, he has the same problem as me. Um, David Hensley's a good guy. It's for this, the, the world we're building together. Are you working with Dave? Yeah. So I had a book that was already done and, uh, I wrote it with Winder and then we had the great divorce jokingly. Like we, we realized his writing style was going a different direction. So we split up the universes we had written together evenly. Um, Mm -hmm. and he took the one that, uh, cyborg, uh, cyborg core birth of a cyborg. I think it was. Um, and I kept this book, uh, and it was just writing wise is the first full length novel. I think I had done outside of working with Tim and his series. I didn't have to worry as much about pacing because I was constrained by his, his universe stuff. So I didn't have to learn how to do it as much. He was kind of there to be like, Nope, can't do that. You got to do this instead because he wanted to keep it true to the lore. And mm-hmm. it was just, the pacing was off. It was just too much high action. And then yeah. a cliff at the end when I got to the end of the book. Uh, and um, Hillbilly over at Three Ravens had read it and liked it. So when he heard I had the rights to it, he's like, why don't we work with Dave? He can turn one book into two. You can solve your pacing problems. And uh, it's already your part is done until you get to book three. Because, you know, you've done the first draft. He's doing the second. And so I'll essentially be beta reading my own book at that point. Uh, and so we decided to for the. That's for the not weird at all. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, well, he's doing enough. Of course, change. I'm gonna love it. I wrote it. Yeah, well, that's how we. When Weiner and I split, we we picked who, by the series the person had done the primary writing on, because that just made sense to us. Yeah. But uh, when uh, when I get it back, uh, we've decided as part of that we were gonna do the short stories that were sci-fi in that world to sort of build the lore. And so I wanted to keep it as tight as possible. And somehow my attempt to be hopeful turned into like space horror. And I don't know how I did that, um, but we'll see. Oh, uh, accident. Yeah, uh, I'd be interested I'm, in how that process worked too. I'm just hoping my, my shrink doesn't still read my books because I might be in for an extra session or two when he reads some of that. Well, the guys in white coat show up at the house with 20 cc's of Thorazine. Hey, come here. Yeah, 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 I mean, stuff happens, right? Oops, he tripped. He fell. He passed out. Now hold still for a second. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
You got a little yeah. drool. Yeah, right, yeah, right there. Just don't get it on the page, man. Don't get it on the page. Can't right. read the book. Can't disrespect the book. A very but, stylish yeah, right. canvas jacket with buckles up the back. Yeah, so I, I can see how that uh, that mission creep can happen. Now, you mentioned, mm -hmm. since we've talked about your book, is there anything else about your book you want to talk about before I, I quiz you about your um, comic? Because I'm curious. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I tell you, um, having be, being a former voice actor um, and finding out that while being able to do about 50 different cartoon characters is fun at parties – not really conducive to a voice actor career unless you live in LA and I don't want to live in LA. Um, I just, just don't. Um, I know a lot of voice actors and I know a bunch of narrators. And first thing, let me tell you that audiobooks is the most amount of work for the least return of any gig in voice acting hands down. Uh, it's very labor intensive. Uh, so I got mad respect for narrators. Um, but having my own cast characters in my head as I wrote the book did not prepare me at all for listening to my own book as read by, uh, the guy that Athon got to do it. And I can never pronounce his last name correctly it it drives me nuts uh uh his first name is christian and he is he but he's amazing and um i'm listening to my own book and he's done such an amazing job of bringing these people to life and switching voices and accents and stuff and i'm like did i write that that sounds so much better than <laughs> Then when it was in my head, this is great. Yeah, and it's like amazing. I don't know if you ever had that experience where you heard somebody read your stuff and they're doing so good with it. It doesn't sound like your stuff anymore. It just takes on a whole new life. The and first time it, it, Huh? The first time I heard a narrator read my my books cuz my uh, my first series with Tim was picked up by Podium. Uh, I got to say I cringed a little bit. <laughs> But it's because okay, it's my own books, right? Like hearing it, like I've had other people listen to it, loved it, like, you know, built some Uber fans off of it. But when I hear it, I'm just like, Ugh. I think we're our own worst critics, though. Oh, we are. Really? We are. Definitely we are. Because he'll say something like he'll put the emphasis on one word in a sentence where in my head it was on a totally different word. And I was like, well, that's not the way I would have done it. Actually, I like his better. Oh, that's weird. You know, or or then there are times when I'm like, nah, that didn't that didn't work for me. That didn't work for me. It should have been done the way I heard it in my head, but I can't tell them the way I heard it in my head. So I have the opposite problems with narrators. I'm hard of hearing, like extremely so with the uh the tinnitus, tinnitus, however you say that word. Tinnitus. Um, Not service connected at all. Yeah. No, so 10%. between that and all of the routinely noise noise explodes because in theory, you're supposed to wear hearing aid or hearing aids, hearing protection when you're on the on the gun lines and when you're on the convoys. But what they don't tell you is a lot of the IEDs that were going off when I was there were unexploded unexploded ordinances that were captured from seized Saddam piles or uh, that we had dropped and didn't go off. So they would put a primary, they would put a secondary blasting cap on the primary cap that didn't go off to trigger it. So you'd have a pop and then a boom. And if you could hear the pop, you could sometimes swerve away and not die. 
So, so you didn't I, wear the hearing aids because you didn't want to die or hearing aids. I keep saying that hearing protection, but the army says, well, pro. yeah, hear pro army's like, well, why didn't you wear your ear pro? We don't care if you die. We just don't want to pay your disability. Right. Right. Funerals so, are cheaper than long-term disability, man. Yeah. So uh, because of that, sure it's sadly are. true. Uh, my joke is that the VA is where patriotism goes to die. Um, mm -hmm. But the, uh, so because of that, like, I don't actually hear it in my head. Like I'm okay with whatever they do with pronunciation. And I'm like, if it sounds cool to you, oh. I'm okay. And some of them are getting, I've had narrators get frustrated. Like, no, JR, like, I need you to tell me what you want. And I'm like, I want what you want. <laughs> yeah. I, I learned early on with uh, the people I was working with before that writing for audio uh, is a good idea because Audible has become so huge and audiobooks are the primary way a lot of people get their reading entertainment these days. Um, there are some people I know, I've met them online, that they only buy the Audible. They're like, oh, you got a new book out? Cool. Let me know when it's out on Audible. Yep. And uh, so my very first edit on any book is an out loud read through. I read it down here in my bunker out loud and I fix all kinds of awkward phrasing in that first read through um, stuff that like trips up my tongue or doesn't work right or doesn't roll out right. I'm like, and then I'm going to, Oh yeah, that's awkward crap. I'll fix that and, and change it. Um, and I think, and, and that might have something to do with the fact that I used to try to do voice work for a living that I'm a little sensitive to copy and how it flows when you're actually saying it as opposed to reading it in your head. And so I tried to go real easy on the, uh, what's that old, that old convention for sci-fi is when you throw an apostrophe in the middle of a name somewhere and it's supposed to sound alien. Right. And all it does is make your audio narrator go <laughs> and trip. So I've really only got one race that has an apostrophe in their name. And, um, Sorry about that, Christian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sometimes I, I look at some of these fantasy books. That's the worst where I feel like they just got a can of like alphabet soup and they just picked it up with the spoon. I'm like, oh, OK, that's what I'm spelling. Scrabble um, tiles. Yeah, scrabble, scrabble tiles. tiles in a Yahtzee cup. <clears throat> but, oh, that's a good word. The other times I've slipped in like um, names that are just really hard to pronounce to see if it made it through edits. And I have gotten that like 3 a.m. phone call, like, hey, jerk face. No, we're shortening the name. <laughs> you got a five-syllable name for this dude. It's not happening. <laughs> well, the, the funny thing was is the name I used was actually a real person's name. It was one of the people I, I hung out with in author circles back when I first started. The, oh. the Sri Lanka. So it was his <laughs> name. Uh, and they just went to his shortened uh, first name as his last name. And they just put a rank in front of it instead. So now instead of it being his first uh, full name or his full name it was you know pfc navin in this case or whatever it there was you go. uh but i did get that phone call uh that was calling me a jerk i'm like it went through your edits i mean i just figured if it made it through i was good sure why not deny one, uh, one i did a long time ago there was a character named theophilus <laughs> yeah the editor did not like that name at all but he was based on a real guy named theophilus that i knew I was like, hey, Theo, I'm sorry, man. They they, they cut you. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was the, um, it's, it's funny sometimes what narrators will to tolerate and what they won't. 
Um, but yeah, I, I, the other thing you learn is certain words when you're reading, you're just so used to seeing them like the says that they just blend in. You don't see them anymore. You kind of go eye blind to them. Uh, but you definitely can tell when they're narrating it. So you learn for looking for things like word echoes that and other things you wouldn't think about until you're doing that edit. Um, I will say that, you know, for those of us that dictate that we are at a slight advantage because we already have it how it sounds. Because if you're saying it and it doesn't sound right, you can back up and say it better. I um, wish I could do that. I, I've tried to dictate because I thought it might be a way to get a word count faster. Um, but I've also found that uh, I can't think and speak at the same time for storytelling purposes. Um, I have, I've got like a set of words running in the back of my head and the plot points and everything in the back of my head. And it's kind of feeding through the front down into my fingers. It's the only way I can do it. It's really bizarre. I don't know if anybody else has that problem, but I've never been able to dictate. Uh, a man I can't stand the like sound that. of my own voice. <clears throat> so my wife tells me, but I, no, she doesn't. I'm kidding. She doesn't. <laughs> Could you just stop talking for like a year? Would, no, she doesn't. I'm just kidding. Maybe breathing less. Like, don't no more breathing. <laughs> that that constant breathing in and out. It's so repetitive. <laughs> Uh, that is a whole nother conversation that I am just not prepared therapist. So I am not going to touch that one with a 10 foot pole. So you've given us the, the nuts and bolts of your series. Uh, I don't really feel like you can go that much more in depth like we would with others because mysteries are kind of, well, you got to keep the mystery. Um, right. so, so first, how much, like what was involved? And then we'll talk about the comic. What was involved in building your police force? Like, what did you use for a model? What research? You know, no, it's, it's not really there's okay. So this I can talk about because the, the Duranian union justice guys are more of a military organization than they are a police force. They're not beat cops, protect and serve. Uh, they're let's go kill bad guys. Um, and they like nothing more than finding a bunch of uh, Lausoran syndicate guys, which are the reptilians, and wiping them out of space, which is really hard to do sometimes because the Lausorans have cloaking devices and they're the only ones that have them. Um, so that's their big advantage over everybody else. Um, but I do have a group of characters uh, that sort of go through an evolution of sorts in the book. They start out, they're, they're called the Stolatai. And I made reference earlier on in the book to uh, the greys. Everybody knows the greys, like from the UFO stories, the gray aliens that come down to earth and kidnap people and do experiments and probes and stuff. So I, I gave them a name. They're the Ramtukin. And at one point in their history, they kidnapped an entire people group of humans from Earth, lock, stock, and barrel, and performed experiments on them and genetically modified them to be these super big, super strong, super soldier slaves that they then sold off to the highest bidder uh, as a group. And uh, these people were going to use these super soldiers to... Uh, conquer the known universe. That was their goal. And then they found out very quickly that 
stolatai, being humans at heart, are not really conducive to slavery. Uh, they, they really didn't like that idea, and they realized they were strong enough to take out their owners, so they did. And uh, they then became the galaxy's most fearsome mercenaries uh, slash security forces. You see more of them acting in a law enforcement capacity than you do anybody else. And they've got power armor and weapons and they're massive and, and everybody likes to have them around because people act really nice and polite when they're around. It's like the halo effect. You heard of that? Nick, you're in law enforcement a little bit. You, 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 you've heard of the halo effect. It's when you see a cop and you suddenly slow down to the speed limit and yeah. you got your hands at 10 and two and, and you make sure that your lights are on if it's raining, all that kind of stuff, the halo. And thing. then you're like, oh, man, are my tags current? Which mine are. Uh, <laughs> although in Memphis, it's not so much that your tags are current. It's that your tags were current and then someone stole the sticker and put it on their car. So yeah, your tags are no longer current. Because <laughs> they're so, no longer on my car. Well, the first thing you do in Memphis when you get a new sticker, man, is you go out and you put it on your car and then you take a razor blade and you put an X through it. So when when the guy tries to steal your sticker to put on his car, yeah, it comes it off in pieces and it's destroyed. So like it. you have to get a new sticker anyway, but at least he doesn't get away with it. Exactly. It, it's, it's, it's more or spite that. than crime prevention. But, <laughs> spite. I like spite. I'm a huge hey, fan of it. Spite is what you got to do in Memphis. There, there's no, you know, there's no real crime prevention. So you just got to, you know, like if they're going to steal my car, they're going to back out over the caltrips that I put behind the tires. Oh, I spilled eggs from my breakfast burrito down the side of my seat and the center console. So whoever steals my 2005 expedition, which I wouldn't recommend, uh, come summertime, it's going to suck. Those things are indestructible though, man. They are. I've I've driven that thing cross country twice. You know, my wife was in a car wreck about uh five years ago. She was in two car wrecks in the same day. She was rear-ended by somebody at a at a light, and she was in the expedition. And so they totally destroyed their car on the bumper of hers. And that was fine. Uh, but then like four miles down the road, a furniture truck decided to cross all four lanes of uh north and southbound highway fifty-one. He tried to do it all in one shot without stopping in the median. She ran into his furniture truck at like 50 miles an hour wow. in her expedition. And uh, she was kind of messed up. She's had a couple of back surgeries since then, but yeah. um, she didn't die. And so that was the cool part. Um, so yeah, Fords. Have you seen that video where they got the, the different for the different SUVs with a plow, a truck into it at like 35 miles an hour. No. Have you seen that? It's a video on YouTube. You can find it. Um, like a Ford Bronco, just totally crushed, completely gone. Survival rate zero percent. Uh, Ford uh, Explorer, ninety nine point five percent survival rate. The back and the front are crushed. The cab where the people are completely intact. Yeah, I was so impressed. I'm like, oh, I'm getting an ex. I'm getting an Explorer. That's my next vehicle. Nice, right there. Ring endorsement. Um, we will take it. They're not sponsoring us either, though. So they're not sponsoring you either. Yeah, we're gonna move on. And so you mentioned, um, you mentioned the comic. And since we've got you here, um, I know <laughs> Nick's got to eat soon, but um, he's looking at his watch. Stabby's getting probably a little anxious. I'm getting, I'm getting messages, but it's not about food. 
So what's the what's the gist of the comics? And is it, is this just you tinkering around, or are you actually producing it? No, it's uh, we we hammered out oh, hours of dialogue that I eventually got around to writing down, and I developed a five issue initial plot, and then I wrote scripts for that. But I didn't know what I was doing. I got I pulled a couple of script comic book scripts offline, uh, and tried to you know freak the format from those. And uh, so basically it's a story of a, a superhero. <clears throat> okay. Let me say this. All of my crassness and stuff, notwithstanding, I, I'm actually kind of a religious guy. And I, I wanted to do this premise of what would, what would the book of judges look like? And if it was happening now, Oof. would that not kind of look like superhero comics? People just sprouting superpowers just out of the blue, you know, and, and defeating the enemies of whatever. And it'd be kind of like superheroes, wouldn't it? So I thought, wouldn't it be fun if we had a superhero uh, who's your basic brawler superhero type, you know, big, strong, basically indestructible. Um, but his special power is as long as he's on the attack, he cannot be stopped. He cannot be defeated. Now you can surprise him. You can hit him with an RPG and it'll do some damage. You know, if you surprise him, but as long as he's on the attack, he can't be beaten. And so what else would this guy call himself? But Mr. Banzai, because that's what he does. He screams that word and attacks. And I thought, wouldn't it be fun if he had like a sidekick who was just, you know, sidekicks are nothing but a distraction for the bad guys anyway. So he needs somebody with distance powers. So he finds this, this paper boy kid who has this weird ability to never miss with a newspaper. So yeah. Okay. Ripping off bullseye the kid never misses as long as he's using a newspaper. Okay. Oh, well. So he will distract the bad guys, nailing them in the face with newspapers. And then Mr. Bonsai would attack and wipe the floor with him. But then paper boy grows up, starts his own family. Mr. Bonsai kind of goes into quiet semi-retirement and then decides that he gets this inkling that something bad is coming and he needs a new sidekick. And there's this popular show on TV called American Sidekick, an American hero, and where superheroes go on and they audition new sidekicks. And so, yeah, we shamelessly based the panel of judges on the judges from American Idol back when Simon was on the show. And uh, so he was the tear jerk. He had the uh, psychic ability to pull your deepest, darkest secret out of your head and then shame you into crying with it. Um, and then there was sword dancer, which was the Paula Abdul character. She was still drunk, but she could sword fight and dance at the same time and, and dazzle you that way. And then there was, um, the balloon a tear was, <laughs> I can't remember the actual judge's name. Was it Rhodes? Was it Rhodes? The guy, he lost weight and gained weight every season. He just like ballooned up and then shrank down every, do you remember this guy? Randy He's Jackson. like super duper skinny now and sells dietary supplements online now, but uh, I can't remember his name to say. Randy my Jackson. Randy Jackson. That's it. That's it. Yeah. So for several seasons, that's a no for me, dog. <laughs> for several seasons, he would just be big and small and big and small. So he said, okay, the guy, he's like bouncing boy from the Legion of superheroes. He can just inflate or deflate at will. And, uh, and so, yeah, so we had that panel of judges and then we had, uh, a character called nobody. And I can't use that anymore because that's become a thing. 
Uh, somebody's actually gone out and trademarked that character for the John Wick films. Um, but this guy uh, kind of did my version of a somebody else's problem field from Douglas Adams Hitchhiker's Guide, where you just don't even notice them. There's somebody else's problem. And so he was like a spy. And then we had Techno Babe, uh, who was in charge of all the gadgets, and then the heavily armored recreational vehicle, the Harvey. And I thought it would be fun if we had a kid who tried out for the show who is actually the son of the original sidekick, and he doesn't want the main hero guy to know it because uh, he doesn't want any favoritism. But his power is he can very quickly make things out of origami and then animate them, and they become kind of real. So he's kid origami. And it was a lot of fun to come up with and to write, but I never found an artist that wanted to draw it. <laughs> so, if only you kinda, knew one. Uh, well, I know one now. <laughs> yeah, I remember this was back, uh, gosh, the early, uh, the early aughts when we came up with this concept. Yeah. Yeah. It's got, it's got a mystery men vibe to it. Yeah. And that, that was one of the inspirations we, we, uh, we got from it because that movie was just out and we're like, Oh, this is awesome. <laughs> this is great. I, I got, I have an idea for like a comedic comic superhero book too, that could merge well with that. So you take that premise. And then the premise that I had was that because there's so much like destruction when these superheroes and supervillains collide in the city that, you have to get superhero insurance. Right. We had that angle too. We had the government, you had government sponsored heroes and non-government sponsored heroes. And the guys yeah. that were independent couldn't get the insurance. And so they were yeah, on the scabs hook. couldn't. Yeah. I called them scabs. Yeah. Scabs, like, like right. Union. They couldn't get the insurance. They so they were the on the hook for any damage. <clears throat> yeah. And that and was that, Mr. Holland's eye. He said he would never sell out to the government and never become a government stoolie. And so he was always on the outs. Uh, with the the real heroes, right? The, the the amount of insurance you could afford was how much city block or city property you could protect. So, like, <laughs> you'd have to put a bid in. It's like, okay, I got X amount of money that I'm backed insurance wise. So, like, I can take I can take care of this one building in like Harlem, you know. <laughs> so he just hangs around I'll, this one building. He's just I'll, like I'll a take protector of the building. I'll take yeah. Cape Town because I've got rooftop Koreans as backup. Well, Ooh. and I'd have to put it to like San Diego areas, our little oh, okay. you know, subsections like Carmichael, Barrio Logan, sure. um, Point Loma. You know, like <laughs> if you're going to defend Point Loma or downtown, you got to have some serious insurance because we're talking right. million dollar properties <laughs> per square foot. Yeah, if, if Nick ever yeah. retires from the day job, we we wrote a comic script together. Well, I wrote it, and he said it didn't suck, and that he could make it better. That's high praise from me, dude. That's yeah. really high praise for me. Ah, it didn't suck. I'd read it. You know, so, but to be fair, to be fair, to be fair. Uh, Nick, Nick, Nick's idea of a comic script that doesn't suck is one where you don't tell him how it's supposed to be drawn. Yeah. I mean, I, I said, like, when I wrote the script, he gave me a template. Unless it's Larry, Larry Hamilton. Yeah, I'll, so I'll make exceptions. When I wrote it, he sent me a, a template that he uses that he gives the new writers. And it was basically like, this is the dialogue and this is the backdrop, but I don't like portions and all it's, that. I didn't even try. Screenplay. It's screenplay yeah. format. It's instead of shots, it's panels. Yeah, so you would not like my scripts because my scripts have things like splash page and and, and or no, two no, no, page. No, no, you know, no, no, and then and then no. I would love the, that. I describe what actually the picture is. So and so punching so and so, they're flying off this way and this way and this way, and then this is the dialogue. 
or this is what's in the thought box or whatever. I, I, I wouldn't say I'd hate it cause I wouldn't. Um, I like detail. I like detail from writers. Um, if they just do like Marvel style plot to page, that puts a lot of stress on, on the artist too. Because mm-hmm. now, it's like, well, I have no idea what this guy's trying to, trying to say. He just gave me some dialogue and like a description of what's going on, you know, which is great. There's, I, I can operate well in that environment as well. But mm-hmm. if you actually have some details, like, hey, man, I think this would be this panel would be more impactful if you know X was doing this to Y. Yeah, and that's what I try to do because you know, I mean, I was a comic fan as a kid. I'm still a comic fan. So I'm pretty familiar with how they look. So I'm like, this would work better four page, four panels on this page, but one like big panel across half of this page and then two panels at the bottom or whatever. And, yeah. and, you know, so I can visualize that, but I can't draw to save my life. Yeah. That's where I come in. Yeah, exactly. No, like what you described as, as far as your script writing, it would just be a lot of conversations, which is mm-hmm. not a bad thing. It's sure. me as the artist trying to like figure out, okay, I drew this. Is this kind of what you're looking at? Because I'll operate as a storyboard artist for that. Hey, this is what I got. Is this kind of what you had in your head when you were writing it? And I'll either get a thumbs up or a thumb down or kind of like, cool. uh, kind of, you know. Or a middle finger. or Yeah, yeah I, some, I've gotten the middle finger a couple of times. Like, you're killing my vision. I'm like, well, your vision sucks. <laughs> I did the grunt thing. I'm like, picture go here. I've got hundreds oh, of pages that I've freaking drawn, man. Like, Jesus. Hero no, here. No, no. Bad guy here. Fight. Rengar mad. Rengar smash bad guy. Rengar yeah. successful. No, you're in trouble. Yeah. You know you're in trouble when JR brings action figures into the office. Okay, here's what I want to happen. So like it's you, baseball. You, no, I didn't see you playing with your action figures again. So in my defense, now think about this, right? So first off, when people do activities, uh, be they body congress or, you know, to, to reproduce or – just fight scenes in general. How I don't know how many times I've read them where I'm like, yeah, that works if he detaches his leg and then swings it along and then detaches his other arm and he holds all three. Like, I mean, you just, the body, like they, clearly they've never done anything physical in their life. Right. So right. That was one of the not- comments that I got. Uh, a friend of mine was actually listening to the audio while reading the Kindle Unlimited uh, book of this first book that just came out. Uh, and he, um, he started quoting Pat. First of all, he started sending me sections that he just thought was fun. And then, but then he said, Hey, you just wrote here where the main character falls to the ground, but he makes sure to put his hands underneath him when he falls. So, uh, he, he had his hand near his gun and he's like, not a lot of people would have thought to do that. They'd have just had him draw the gun and you'd be wondering, how the heck did he get to the gun when he just fell down on his face? You know, so I try to put some thought into the action sequences uh, because it's, action sequences in particular have been something that I've been writing for other people for a long time because I grew up on Mac Bolan and Dan Track books and the Punisher comics, and so I, I'm really I was really action scene oriented. Um, so that's something I enjoy no, writing. No Neil with. Adams love. I'm insulted. Huh? What? No Neil Adams love. I'm insulted. Uh, I may not know the name, but what, uh, what? he drew he drew Batman uh, in the '70s. So he oh yeah, yeah, Detective Comics and yeah, single-handedly responsible for taking Batman from yeah. camp from the TV show back to the Dark Knight Detective. You remember that one story though? The best one. I I loved it so much. Where they the they drugged Batman and he had to piece together where he was just by Poor the way Vals. he was. 
Huh? The Court of Owls? Uh, no, not the Court of Owls. This was Mom Murder. Okay. Um, she was a character, like a gangster character from the 70s detective comics. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And he, he figured out that they had him at the rail yards because the way his arms were laying out and they were laying parallel on the tracks and all this kind of cool. detective. It was detective stuff. He was actually a detective yeah. back then. And yeah. uh, the art in that was just fantastic. Uh, I don't know who did the pencils, but they were great. I'm pretty sure that was Neil Adams. If it was late it probably 70s. Probably was. Yeah. And yeah, that was the old gray bat suit with the dark blue cape. Yeah, the gray and blue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Denny O'Neill wrote those. I think it was Denny O'Neill. I'm sure someone on the internet's gonna correct me because I said something wrong. That's and then I correct myself and write that down. So I I I appreciate the trolls correcting. So so yeah, for, for me it was it was Batman and Spider-Man and Ambush Bug. Um yeah. I love Ambush Deadpool. Bug. Deadpool before Deadpool was the thing. Yeah, yeah. Everybody talks about Deadpool breaking the fourth wall. I'm like Erwin Schwartz was the only guy in the DC universe who knew he was in a comic book and he was amazing. Yeah. And he ended up on DC uh, universe online uh, video game. Did he really? Yeah. Oh, he gives good. you some, glad, he gives you some of your missions. A little love. That's good. Yeah, He gives you some side quests and he pops up and he's like, listen, I'm pretty sure you're the only one that can hear me and see me, but I'm in a comic <laughs> book. And guess what, buddy? So are you, but I need your help. That's great. Nice, nice. I love so, it. You collect tickets. You collect tickets for power ups. He puts you in a power up room where it's like it's a it's a smash room. Oh, okay. And you get like thirty seconds to a minute to smash as much crap as possible, and uh, but you got to find these ambush bug tickets throughout Metropolis, Gotham City, uh, Thermoskita, all the other little worlds that they put in there. <laughs> Central City. All right. So uh, the what I was trying to say, uh, we go all the way afield. You're a good guest for that. We never stay on topic, but we have fun doing it. Um, <laughs> as you'll notice, sometimes we're like, he just came in. Somehow he's in the second story bedroom. Like, how did he go from the first floor to the second floor? And so I try to almost do like you talk about stage blocking to make sure it makes sense. Um, right. So I'm a theater kid, too. So I know okay, that makes sense. I took uh, I took improv, but I got kicked out and I was told I would get an A if I just didn't come back because apparently... <laughs> Um, what do they call it? Where you do the first thing that comes to your mind stuff. My mind scared them. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah. The, theater, the theater guy was like, yeah, please don't come back. I'm like, but I need this elective to graduate. And he was like, uh, I'll give you the elective. Just don't come back. I'm like, sweet. So I actually had an extra study. Block. I got kicked out of band my freshman year of high school. Nice. And I, and I landed in the theater department. <laughs> All I was right. like, throw me in the briar patch. Why don't you? But uh, speaking of, we're going to have to have him back to, to nerd out with us more because this is always fun to have him on the show. Um, Love it, man. As, last. Every as, time. This, as this episode winds down, was there anything about your awesome book, The Galaxy's Most Wanted, that we didn't Galaxy's Most about? Wanted. In a world. I mean, um, is there anything we didn't ask that you wanted to tell us real quick? No, I, you, I think you covered everything. I think um, it... It was described by one author friend of mine. Uh, actually, I'll, I'll go ahead and name drop Jeff Haskell. Uh, as uh, oh Jeff, he was, yeah, he was like a little oh, you. fun. He was like, "This is fun. Nobody writes heists anymore. This is great." And so he said it was like uh, it was like uh, uh, an interplanetary oceans eleven, and uh, and that's fun. I really appreciated that, but it does take a huge twist in the middle of the heist and 
everything changes and, and the whole series pivots at that point. So I don't want people thinking it's just space crime. There's a lot of space crime, but it's not just space crime. Um, there's, there's also the space, space IRS. Huh? Also the space IRS, you know. Uh, well, no, 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 no. Do you catch space Capone? Although in book four, well, we'll just <laughs> let you figure that out. All right, all right, all right. So this is the part of the uh, ending wrap-up scene, dear listener, where I remind you to please be kind and speak your mind on the reviewing platforms. These reviews help the right readers find the right book. So do your part. Uh, let me ask you this real quick before you give us how to, how to find you online. Uh, is this book wide or is this Amazon only? Uh, it is Amazon and Audible only. Okay, so it's an Amazon exclusive. I wasn't mm-hmm. sure. Um, I know Athon used to do that, but a lot of places are changing over. So I thought I would uh, would check. Um, and speaking of online, um, how can listeners and readers find you? Uh, they can find me at my website, uh, which is michaellavoice.com, all one word, michaellavoice.com. Uh, I'm also on Facebook as that Michael LaVoice, uh, or sometimes it pops up as Michael LaVoice author. I don't remember putting that in there, but it, it pops up like that sometimes. I don't get it. Um, also on the, the X twit, twit X, tw- what? whatever they're calling it this week. Twitter expert fly. Twitter, yeah, that's it. Uh, also as that Michael LaVoy's, um, which I don't, I don't do a lot, but I do follow Mr. Nick and, and Stabby on, on X. Oh yeah. You do I'll follow see. me on X. Yeah. Yes, I do. So um, I followed you back. I hope. If, yeah. if you do the comic and you get it out there in the world, you're going to come back and, you know, we're going to interview you about it. Cause it sounds cool. Um, maybe if Nick does stop sleeping and like mainlines caffeine into his heart, like he can stay oh, up. I mean, things up. I already do he without can stay the up burden and draw and draw my comic too. Because who needs sleep, right, Nick? You yeah, who needs sleep? How about I may have to find another artist and just kind of like be a director. It's so overrated. Sleep. Yeah, <laughs> you can find us. Speaking of the onlines, on our link tree at l i n k t r dot e e linktree slash blasters and blades podcast again linktree slash blasters and blades podcast where we link to all the things the bit shoots the rumbles the twitters we got our email for professional and business purposes only our blasters and blades podcast uh facebook group and facebook page we link to madam stabby's instagram twitter and email for all the hate mail and shenanigans send them her way she is homeschooling right now she could use a distraction so do your part people you're not just helping her you're helping nick or use the replies as an English class. I know people that do that, um, but <laughs> that could get dark. You could follow us on our website at anchor.fm slash blasters, tack and tack blades. Again, anchor.fm slash blasters, tack and tack blades. Wherefore, as little as 99 cents a month, you can help keep the lights on. Or you can support the show more directly at buymeacoffee.com slash author J.R. Hanley. Again, buymeacoffee.com slash author J.R. Hanley. Be sure to put in the comment section this is for the podcast, and I will keep my co-host duly caffeinated. They will drink some of that gloriously delicious, amazing coffee brand coffee until their eyeballs bleed caffeine. Speaking of, you go to the link in the show notes and you use the code podcast grunts. Um, and you can uh, you can get 10% off. And who doesn't want 10% off their coffee? Made in America, roasted in America. It is American. So, And it's worth every penny. I, I dig it. It is my it's my gourmet coffee. 
Uh, and with that being said, thank you for spending some of your precious time with us. For my crazy co-host, I am Jared Handy, and this was the Blasters and Blades podcast. We'll be back next week at the same time where we'll indulge our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, and all things that go boom. Boom. All right. And we're out. Wait for it. Wait for it.